料。That sounded rather gay. This is Big Green. This is Big Green for November of 2016. I made myself sick. A momentous month to be sure. Oh, yeah. We've got another episode of NetTrek for you, NetTrek 30. Doesn't get any worse than this. No, it certainly doesn't. There's seven brand new Big Green songs embedded in that show. It's offensive as all hell. And you will be offended, certainly. Send your letters to Joe. (laughs) I mean to Matt. I mean to Joe. Send him to the kazoo. <laughs> Holy moly, and then we're going to talk about, oh, well, a couple other things that happened that probably nobody heard about. Yeah, we're going to talk about some old well. Indeed. And George Orwell. Indeed. <laughs> George Orwell. Stay tuned. Last week on Nentrek, they forgot to write a script for my intro, so now I gotta wing it. Dang! Anyway, I think this week is gonna be pretty exciting. Like there might be a wrestling match between Captain Brownie and Lord Jesus Christ. I heard that in a rumor from Green Rotten Berries. Anyhow, here it comes, Nentrek 30. Ha! It's wild, Steve. It's wild. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Um, until we're canceled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. remember the last time we began the show with a beam down. There must have been a time issue with this episode. There's just too much excitement to fit it all in. Hey boys, maybe if we listen hard enough, we can hear the editor's scissors at work. <laughs> snip, snip, snip. Ah, uh, say, what a majestic beam down sight. A balmy oasis bordered by awesome volcanic mountains. The Rangray peaks attired with clan-like robes of snow. 
No doubt they serve as a constant source of godly inspiration to our intrepid missionaries, who way back when sat down here to show pagan natives the ethical path to subservience. I only wish I was here to see our heroes hack down the alien palm trees, hack them down before they drop another free meal from the lofty yellow fronds, lest they perpetuate the myth that something from God comes from nothing. Would you please shut up, Dr. Bone? Besides, you're looking at some freaking Viewmaster slides of Macho Pichu. This is just a storage closet for Studio C. Since our prop guy was let go and not replaced, the producer decided to have his film in here. That way they don't have to move anything. So shove aside that styrofoam rock and help us make some floor space, fool. <laughs> it says here that our mission today is to rescue a team of space evangelicals that are being exposed to poorly understood radiation waves emanating from the Confederation's Kilburnium installation on nearby planet Tox-9. But Captain... Didn't those missionaries know the risks they were taking when they were assigned to this outpost? I mean, isn't it a waste of our time and the Confederation's money to run out here any time there's a Class 5 radiation incident? We have to start thinking about ourselves and our own welfare. Besides, I choose to believe what the Shill Watchdog Agency says. There's absolutely no risk to anyone living in regions that the industry itself is actively engaged in operating in. I know it seems too good to be true, but it is. <laughs> You don't understand, Mr. Pearl. Radiation always made things grow huge. On Earth, it was responsible for big grasshoppers. Remember those? <laughs> Peter Graves remembers them. That's why he's been hiding out in the Mission Impossible set next door. <laughs> Nobody will find him there except for maybe Ricky Ricardo when he's stumbling home from a late night at the Copa. Anyhow, those super gigantic grasshoppers were created by radiation. If something similar happens here, our evangelical missionaries will grow huge. Maybe even bigger than Billy Graham. Ah, uh, see, that would be a catastrophe. There can only be one Reverend Graham. His preaching will always be held in our hearts just as his body will forever be preserved in this giant vat of turpentine. You didn't bring that thing with you again, did you? It's disgusting. Ah, uh, say, don't you understand? As his body decomposes, so decomposes our sins. <laughs> Let's not lose sight of our mission here, boys. We're here to see the Great Grand Coulee Dam. <laughs> A little test here. Taint? Prague? Do either of you know how many wheelbarrows of cement it took to create that structure? This isn't a caravan tour of historic landmarks, and we're not your mutant sons, idiot. We're on the planet Coxabald 7, and we're tasked with rescuing the team of missionaries from the poorly understood effects of Kilburnian radiation. By the way, it's only poorly understood because the Confederate Congress passed a law that says no one can study it. Oh no, that means that we're being exposed right now. Why didn't we put on lead protective spacesuits? Or better yet, just go home. Have you ever seen our show's radiation suits? They're made of lead foil and burlap, and they don't even come with visors. If anything, I think they'd serve to concentrate the radiation. You'd be cooked like a microwave dinner, except with even more repulsive gravy. <laughs> Not to worry, Mr. Pearl. Doc Coburn has assured us that our limited exposure will, at most, cause major organ failure, restless butt syndrome, and death. But that's just the obligatory disclaimer. <laughs> Pharmaceutical companies cancel that out with optimistic-sounding acoustic music. 
<laughs> Reminds me of my own salad days when we were being exposed to radiation near the unregulated waste dumps back home. I don't want any salad. And besides, I'm too young to die or to grow huge. Pearl, you're already about as big an ass as anybody could possibly imagine. So I don't think you have anything to worry about. Uh, sir, I think I just saw someone going into that plastic shed over there. <laughs> it must be one of the missionaries. He looks much smaller than normal size. But it might just be an illusion, men. He might just become larger as we get closer to him. Ned, who are the missionaries assigned here? Who's in charge? I don't want to waste time talking to some lowly intern. Bring on the commander of the planet, that's what I say. I say, let us enter this here structure and see what answers it holds. I don't see that we have much choice. It's either that or leave the sound closet and go back into the hall. I like that idea better. Get in the plastic shack, Pearl. Hey, look. They've come to pay their respects to Marvin Marvelous. Oh, by all means, come in, gentlemen. And just wait until you see how we fixed up this plastic shed for him. It'll just knock your eyes out. It's tasteful with a capital yellow. He was always fond of buttercups, you know. That's why we put a thousand of them around his casket. You're gonna love it. I say, what a happy man, happy in his faith and happy walking with the Savior. What a refreshing turn this plot has taken. I don't think it's Jesus that he's so happy about. Now you're not the relatives, are you, dears? I don't think Marvin's family understood the fabulous changes that took place with him after he entered this solar system. Anyhow, you can't be relatives wearing those little outfits. And I just love the horse. Is that a thing now? We've been away from Earth for a while now. And I just want to be filled in on every little thing. <laughs> so you've all been dying down here, is that right? Then I guess we're here in the dick of time. Captain, there's a dead body in this shack. It looks like Ethel Merman, or at least some outrageously gay guy's exaggerated conception of her. I think I'm going to puke. Some throw roses, some throw carnations, and yes, some throw up. <laughs> That's Merman, all right. It's almost as if she's still on the stage, except maybe a little lower. <laughs> Perhaps she fell off during an unforgettable performance. That's right. It's Ethel Marvin. Isn't she marvelous? There's no business like show business like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Oh, Jesus. Don't look now, but Liberace is swanning his way over here. Oh my god, it's Roy Blunt, and he's wearing an over-the-top white satin bejeweled cape. I say no! Can't you see he's an apostolized missionary hero? That's just how they dress. Jesus had a cape just like that, except he had golden parachute pants to go with it. They were solid gold. What the hell did he need a parachute for? Oh, look, here comes little Roy Toy. Uh-oh. <laughs> I think it's little Ricky, the landlord's son. 
He must be coming to check on us. <laughs> Maybe we're making a little too much noise and drowning out what's happening on the copaset downstairs. <laughs> Sorry about that, Master Ricardo. It won't happen again. It's not, little Ricky fool. Roy, boy, just look who's come all the way from Earth for Marvin's funeral. It's these scrumptious space policemen and their dancing horse. I imagine they'll be performing in a few minutes. We knew Marvin was kinky, but this is so bold. It's hyperspace kinky. I just love it. We should be dancing. We should be singing. Captain, these men have to be the missionaries that were assigned here. That's Commodore Roy Blunt, and the other one must be Commander Lindsey Graham. Both were committed hardline Christian fundamentalist icons. Well, one of them was anyway. Call me Linda, and we're still icons, even if it's in our own minds. Looks to me like they fell off the evangelical wagon pretty hard. That's what happens, don't you know? They send a few good men down to a planetoid to do good works. Spreading the word of God, maybe doing some bombing runs and the like. Anyhow, they're the only ones there. They're completely alone amongst some savage race of proto-Asians. They start out all buzzing on the same Intolerance 5, but then before you know it, they turn gay as $3 sock puppets. It's like Stockholm Syndrome, except with less Swedes and more homosexual puppets. <laughs> hey, can I ask you both? <laughs> uh, just how gay are you? I mean, on a scale of 1 to 102, with 1 being just a tiny bit gay and 102 being Ethel Marin. Well, let's see. Without consulting the other girls for their opinions, I'll go out on a limb and give you my own estimate. I'm 129. And I'm 127. Think they just broke your scale, Willard. And by the way, as usual... We beamed down to a planet without taking any sensible or responsible precautions to protect ourselves from contracting some alien pox or plague. Not to mention contracting a lethal dose of gay radiation. But Ned, taking precautions to avoid such hazards would go against Hodgkin's law of basic episodic plot development. Our show would be lost, or worse, wouldn't exist in the first place. Non-existence, sir. Sounds like a small price to pay to save the universe from this bomb. <laughs> Very good, gentlemen. Well, we have a lethal gay disease to introduce to the ship, and I have to make a log entry. Romney the Free Enterprise. Mr. Solo? Um, Captain, I'm not on the ship. I'm down here with the rest of the landing party. I'm actually still puking in the corner, if you must know. Sir. <laughs> and so you are. I guess I don't need a communicator to talk to you then. That's a bit of a time saver. But sir, you were calling the ship. Presumably you're calling to have us beamed up. Granted, it's probably not the best idea, but it's an excuse to get out of this prop closet. Aye, Captain, you called. I most certainly did, Mr. McWhale. The landing party is ready to come aboard and tell the crew we have a little surprise for them. A radiation disease that transforms Confederate officers into Liberace and Ethel Merman is more of a big surprise, I would think. Our writers should come up with a disease that turns us into Pearl Bailey or even the king, you know, Elvis. Of course, Elvis paid me a little visit once 
He convinced me that his manner of dress and his turn of phrase would enable him to infiltrate the deviant community of hippies and communist musical groups. Uh. Understandably, in order to pull it off, he would have to partake of some of their milder barbiturates. Once he had bagged Steve Lawrence and Robert Goulet and other foreigners, like the members of the band Foreigner, he returned to the White House. I recall he had to use the bathroom. He was in there for a really long time. Must have been the escargot. <laughs> Did you get all that, Solo? Uh, sir, I'm still standing next to you. And no, unsurprisingly, I didn't get any of that. Captain, did you still want the landed party to be beamed aboard? Yes, of course, Mr. Whalemix. You know, <laughs> I thought we were on board already. <laughs> Log, start date 2266. <laughs> In the year 3535, if this show is still alive. Anyhow, we're back on board the U.S. Free Enterprise. I'm in command, and I know that along with that awesome power comes responsibility. My crew trust me with their lives, and Starfleet trust me with the security of the Confederation, their loved ones, and all they hold dear. Which reminds me, Mr. Cole Milder... Did you train your pomoglubian elf monkeys to polish my dollhouse food yet? I want my grandkids to be able to see their expressionless faces reflected in the plastic fruit. <laughs> and don't tell me it's impossible, mister. Uh, Captain, that's not Mr. Cold Wilder. Uh, sir, there's actually no such officer by that name on the ship. You've been speaking to Ensign Stephanie O. Ah, yes. I can barely see him. He's an enlisted man, I take it. <laughs> uh, and sir, this is Commissioner Sanders. We'll be transporting him to the planet Pustule 2 in the Acme system. His orders are to take over as the appointed governor there. Oh yeah, I heard about that. Seems like following that last Earth election, they couldn't get him far enough away from the Halls of Power. Congratulations on your deep space assignment anyway, Commissioner Sanders. Hopefully you'll last longer than that last governor of Pustule. The incoming hunter applied pressure onto his sides until he exploded. Eventually he was molecularly reconstituted into a float and used in the Pustulant's annual Zip Bad Parade. It was great. Yes, thank you, Mr. Poe. I've read about that, and believe it or not, but I am looking forward to my new challenging assignment. Captain, as I'm sure you can understand... I am most eager to take my new post so I can begin to enact real legislation that will put an end to planetary rule by billionaires and trillionaires that destroyed the postulant middle class and have gone on to pursue a reckless foreign policy that has condemned a generation... To... <laughs> Let me stop you right there before our show's sponsors have coronaries and have to be fitted with battery-driven hearts. Colonel Sanders! such a pleasure to see you again. I was under the mistaken impression that you were deceased and had kicked the bucket of chicken. Well, there you are still very much alive, sir, and your bucket runneth over with deep-fried poultry parts, and the pleasure is mine. Would you do me the great honor, sir, of accompanying me to the Turkish bathhouse? It's on deck 11. I say I'm sure you know where that is. 
I have never been there. Turkish bathhouse, what the? Thank you for your kind offer, but I have other plans. However, that reminds me that we still have a long way to go to make sure that our LGBT brothers and sisters get a fair break and are treated with total equality. What does LBJ have to do with his brothers and sisters? I don't understand. He didn't say LBJ. He said BLT, and he's referring to his chicken stand. This is how it all begins. Radiation sickness, or gadiation, if you will. I've seen it all before, back during the House on american Activity series. All it takes is the smallest exposure, perhaps a pat on the head by an infected Jesuit priest. Before you know it, they've swallowed the whole gay enchilada. It goes along with liberation theology and tequila. After that, you never know when they're going to sail off on another invasion of Eastern Europe. Stalin had an army of gay cyborgs, don't you know? Later, Jack Kennedy tried to make a big deal about the gay cyborg gap that existed between us and the Soviets. He rode that to the White House. He was gay, too. <laughs> it's all true. It's in Peter Lawford's book. <laughs> well, Mr. Sanders, I know you're eager to get to pustule to assume your position. You know, I never realized how tantalizing that phrase was. To assume your position. <laughs> yes, very stimulating. Anyhow, we've got some things to gather up on Cuxabald. They've got so many fantastic boutiques down there. It would be a crime not to have our boys pillage them before we warp out. Why, there's so much in the way of lush fabric, loud furniture, mirrored balls, portraits of Anita Bryant, boxes of miracle Girl, all kinds of things like that. But, Captain, I am anxious to start rallying again at the injustices and inequities that exist on Postual. Since there, are getting a raw deal. No health care, no debt-free higher education. Labor is disrespected. Jeez, I never realized it before. Overseas. Socialists are cute. The rich Wait. Have taken advantage Why did I say that? <laughs> because it's true. The disease, Captain. It, it must be affecting me. I have an uncontrollable desire to sing.
fabulous, Mr. Pearl. Its only flaw was that it ended. Mr. Nixon, send a message to Starfleet on Subspace Channel 54. Inform them of our gay, I mean, inform them of our delay. I'm sorry, Captain, but I cannot follow that order. You see, Channel 54 is the homosexual channel. That's the one that the abominants use to chat each other up in gay little ways. What you want is Channel 57. That's the super masculine channel. That's the one we use in this White House. I mean, on this ship. Oh, yes. <laughs> Carson, you're right. You are a dear president. And would you please apologize to me one more time? Oh, my God. Look at Ned. I was having my eyelashes done. Does anyone have a problem with that? And your mane, it's, it's... It's been braided. I was considering going in for dreadlocks, but then I thought the Doc Bonehead would think I was an escaped slave. He'd probably want to take advantage of the Confederation's Fugitive Slave Act, capture me and render me back to Mississippi, and then cash in. He did that with that guy in engineering that vaguely looked like John Coltrane. Ah, say, what a civilized idea. Still, we might just want to take you for a bumpity ride around the conference room set before we get down to any of that business. I don't think anybody in the universe could ever become gay enough to like the sound of that. The cameras aren't on, are they? Are we recording this stuff? It's all outrageously offensive. I'm bored. The gay plane ship. I aim to see it home. You are all lucky. The disease affecting your flunkies will be cured by the end of the show. Old jokes die. Here's my arm, give it a spike now Be as invasive as you like Oh, I'll drive this omnibus Clear through the lines of space and time We're off, and it's not enough
think, Doc Bone? Are we becoming gay? I say, there's no doubt in my mind that we have the disease. Jesus has taught me that thy thought is as thy deed, which means in God's own parlance that I have sinned again. (laughs) Well, I forgive you, Bone. But do we have any hope of becoming normal again? And, you know, desiring to marry dozens of women, that kind of normal. We have a great need for a serum. One cup with bourbon might go down really nice about now. Although I'd settle for a nice gin and tonic. Oh no! Listen to me! Listen to me! I'm trying not to. Oh no! Now he's gonna sing a song. You call it singing. More like drunken caterwauling. I'm going home. Yeah. 
reparative therapy that your people, I mean, evangelical crackers, pioneered back in the early 2000s. The right-wing literature of the time touted its unpeer-reviewed positive results. I must admit that after just reading about it, I feel just a little less gay. I thought that that reparative therapy crap was just an excuse to get hideous obese gorgons like Marcus Bachman a plentiful source of dates. <laughs> Well, maybe we should try experimenting with it. Just a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that if everyone is willing. We can start by redecorating the ship's ballroom. This will be fancy dress therapy, gentlemen. I think we should also run some tests on Mr. Sulu and find out why he hasn't been affected by the gaydiation. He must have gay inhibitors somewhere squirming around in his physiology. We need those. Can we tie him down, sir? That would leave Mr. Stephanie O to drive the ship. I don't think we want that, do we? He'd probably ram the ship model into the coat rack that holds up the moon prop and wreck the show. What an exciting prospect. Mr. Stephanie O driving the ship, perhaps sitting in another man's lap while he does it. Stephanie O, you're the captain's double U.U.P. show. Step 
You drive the ship and I say steady as she goes But we wouldn't want to wind up in a black hole And miss your space fandango Oh, 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 Five minutes of musical reflection. I think we'll save Stephanie's talents for the Space Fandango. <laughs> we'll let Nixon drive the ship. Now, where has that robot gotten to, anyhow? He was going to take a spacewalk in order to relieve himself. Remember, the Confederation has long-standing regulations that bar gay, lesbian, and transgender robots from using the bathrooms on all starships. I didn't even think there were any bathrooms on starships. I gave up looking for them after the second episode. I know I've smelled your quarters. Hey. Gentlemen, I'm actually over here, squatting in the corner and pondering my predicament. It's a trick I learned from an LBJ robot. Except he used a specially designed porcelain seat. Oh no, now something's gonna come out of him. Unfortunately for us, it's a song. <laughs> And a porcelain bowl to land 
Nixon, good thing we're in sick bay, because I'm going to need a medical procedure to remove that one. Roy Blunt was so beautiful. So beautiful. He was pretty, too. Did you know he had a puppet named Whaley? When he took it out and made it talk, how we'd smile. I say, poor old Lindsay, he's dying of the gay, just like old Roy Toy Blunt did. He's going to have him some explaining to do when he meets his maker. Like, what is he doing wearing a plaid shirt with striped pants? That's the wrong kind of loud. Sounds like he's pretty senile, too. I mean, is that what we have to look forward to? Total gay senility? Sounds like status quo for you, Pearl. Okay, so we'll be working on two tracks here. Doc Bone, get preparation started for the reparative therapy in the ship's ballroom. Pearl, get on Sulu. 
And don't forget to pick up the fabric samples. <laughs> Lots of samples. Nixon, telegraph all this to Starfleece using code 54. I was almost ready to compliment you on being relatively coherent and decisive for once in your life. But then you had to mention using code 54. Nixon already told you that the other ships in Starfleece break our balls for using 54. Since that's the channel that only the gayest of Bomulans use. <laughs> code 54, where are you? There's a hold up in the bank. So da, 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 da. Well, look, I say it's the colonel. I hardly recognized him off his chicken bucket. Glad he's not a missing colonel anymore. Yes, hello. I am here to ask again why we can't be on our way to Planet Pustule. Wouldn't you be better advised to conduct your research and ultimately find a cure for your disease at the Zit Academy? No offense, but your research facilities on board ship are woefully inadequate. As far as I could see, your computers are merely plastic boxes with Christmas lights glued to them. And, from what I've been able to determine, you don't even have Wi-Fi anywhere on this ship. What are you talking about? I have sci-fi written on my communicator, just below the Space Mattel logo. Frankly, the lack of intelligence and scientific background of your officers here would seem to present an insurmountable problem. How could you ever possibly find a cure? Not one of you could even find a Velvedian porcupine, even if it were nibbling on your own backsides. <laughs> That's just Hamish Five, and he's kenneled back there. Anyhow, Commissioner Sanders, I assure you, after our business is done on Coxabald, we'll make course for Pustule. <laughs> you have my personal guarantee. Now, <laughs> what kind of music do we want at the ball? I'm thinking village people, of course. But what else? YMCA! Mr. Nutt, may I speak to you for a moment? I guess so. I was just about to watch a replay of the last Space Kentucky Derby, but that can wait. I'm used to waiting. I'm not as young as I used to be. It hasn't escaped my notice that there's a crisis on board this ship. Well, that's about the most obvious thing I've ever heard said. I mean, they could rename this ship the U.S. Perpetual Crisis. The problem with the captain at this time is most acute. Yes, any other galaxy-shaking revelations, Mr. Magnifico? What I am saying is that this ship cannot function properly with a commander albeit a fine officer, now so clearly affected by radiation sickness. Have you ever watched this show? This guy was never fit to command anything. He's a freaking idiot. He only got the command because he's a rich jerk, son of another rich jerk, appointed by sons of other rich jerks to do whatever things in the galaxy that give massive advantages to rich jerks. Yes, that dynamic has not escaped my notice. But for the sake of the pretense, let us give the captain his due. In other words, we give a little false praise before we push him over the metaphorical cliff. Of course, following that, you will need to assume command. I'm suffering from the same freaking disease. Don't you know that, Commissioner? But you, with your palimonian physique, 
show few signs of the radiation sickness. That is, other than your enhanced eyelashes and your basket weave mane. But those look very nice. That's because there are no other horses on board this stupid pot. What am I supposed to do? Go all gay on the overstuffed sofa in the rec room? Hey, I just remembered. I've got a song to sing. What do you think I'm sung by bones? Such a long time ago. very nice and somewhat surprisingly melodic for a horse. Anyhow, since the captain and other senior officers are so, uh, affected, would you be willing to assume command? Didn't you listen to that song at all? In fact, I did, but I found it rather obscure. And what do you think that I'd do the first thing you gave me the reins of the ship? I'd drive it to the nearest planet where there's a rodeo going on. No, Commissioner, I'm not your horse. Well, you leave me with no choice but to take over command myself. First, we will need to convene a general competency hearing in order to legally relieve the captain of command. Well, that should be easy enough to do. The guy could have been declared incompetent the first day he took over as captain. And every day after that, he's a complete boob. You could take over right now. Or at any time and the guy wouldn't even notice. Just tell him your name is Paco 
and you need to park the ship in the garage for him. But you better take my advice and don't be wearing assless chaps when you see him. At least not until we find a cure for the disease. It's probably breaking with long-standing protocol on the ship, but you, as first officer, should apprise the captain and the other senior staff of the hearing, which will take place today at 0900 hours. He's not going to know what time that is. Nevertheless, let him be so advised. <laughs> well, here I am again, on the bridge of my ship, and feeling fine. Now I know why they call it gay. Anyhow, Mr. Screwless, please report to the medical deck. Oh yeah, there isn't one. Best report to the ship's city park instead. <laughs> There's a guy in a trench coat that wants to take some samples from you. He looks and sounds like President Nixon, but that's not him at all. Nope. <laughs> that would be a certified medical technician. Do whatever he says. It's not as if we'll be looking at a film of it later on in the ship's Oklahoma-themed clam bar. <laughs> uh, I think I should probably take one of my inexplicable absences from the show. Stephanie, take over the helm, will you? Delay that order, Mr. Stephanie. You are to report to Mr. Pearl's quarters. He's got a kink in his back, and in a few other places, too. Anyway, there'll be a few quarters in it for you as well. Um, Mr. Ned, I think now is a good time. What do you mean? This is a terrible time. It's always a terrible time working on this stupid show. I meant that this is a good time to inform your captain about the upcoming competency hearing. Oh yeah, Jesus. Nothing I need more than another freaking old man making me do crap. Oh well. So, Willard, due to the more than usually flagrant bizarritude coming out of your face, you're obliged to attend a competency hearing that you are the subject of. I assure you, I'm completely continent. My Mormon undergarments can serve as proof of that. <laughs> Although you'll have to take my word for it, I'm afraid. That is, unless you're attending our Rudituti pre-ball gala. It starts at 1025 sharp. The hearing is at 9 o'clock, so you can do whatever you like after that. It's just that we won't have to listen to you, and the cameras won't be obliged to follow you around anymore. <laughs> Sounds like I'm losing command again. Hey, there's nobody at the helm. I guess I need to stop reassigning officers as sex toys. <laughs> Mr. Welts? Aye, sir. Report to the rectum room. <laughs> and make it on the double. In fact, double that last command. And, mister, wear your kilt. I think it's going to be windy in there. <laughs> Ach, I don't know what you're saying, but I'll obey. I don't often get a chance to show off my Celtic pride. <laughs> It'll be a fantastic party. There'll be lots of men in there. <laughs> lots of men. Whatever. Just come to the freaking hearing, Willard. Call me Mittens. <laughs> to think there was a time when I shunned the spanking machine. Oh no, you're doing a second song. That's worse than Nazis on banjos. Oh, the world is bright. Everything is bright. I laugh and light floods in tonight. Oh, but life is good. Retrospect.
Okay, I'm calling this general competency hearing to order. I'm the presiding officer, and I'm ably assisted by Starfleet's Commissioner Sanders and Commander What's-His-McFace McExtra over here that nobody's ever seen before. Okay, take the camera off him now. And take your freaking tiaras off, idiots. This isn't a debutante ball, you know. You too, Nixon. No, it's more of a cotillion. <laughs> Viva la the French! I can remove mine, but it's been welded onto my faceplate. If I remove that, you'll see my brain glow. That reminds me, has anyone seen robots around here? I finally thought of a use for them. Just everybody shut up! We're here to determine if the captain has become unfit for command. It's a stupid question, really, since in order for him to become unfit, it implies that he must have been fit at some earlier point in time. Anyhow, the radiation or gadiation sickness that he's suffering from now is making our bigoted sponsors finally notice his incompetence. And now they want him relieved of command. It only goes to follow that at an incontinence hearing, I'd be relieved. The first witness that I'm calling to the stand is Mr. Stephanie O. Uh, Stephanie, that's you. Me, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Um... What do I do, sir? Just come up here and sit down, you sub-idiot. Mr. Stephanie, please state your full name and rank for the record. Um, but I don't have a full name, sir. Jesus, you probably don't even have any spit in your mouth. Whatever. <laughs> oh, but he does. He does. Doesn't freaking matter. Stephanie... Following his return from Planet Coxabald 7, did the captain order you to report to the doctor's personal quarters? And did that order take you away from your normally assigned bridge station? I say, if this is true, it would mean that I have sinned again! I have sinned again! <laughs> I forgive you again, Doc. Answer the question, Stephanie. Uh, yes, sir. But then he, he changed his mind and ordered me to report to Lieutenant Commander Pearl's personal quarters instead. I say, that is an outrage. Ugh. Of course, this panel doesn't want any details. Not on a full stomach. Anyhow, Ensign, after following this order, was not your bridge station left unmanned, and therefore wasn't the ship put at risk. Um, yes, sir. I, um, I mean, no, sir. And did the captain make provisions to relieve you? Um, um, yes, sir. The captain made provisions for me to relieve the doctor for a while, and then to relieve Commander Pearl, and then I stood up and he relieved me for a while, sir. No! I mean, nobody could see me do it. Your witness, Captain. <laughs> 
I'd be more than glad to ask some questions. In fact, I'm super glad. I'm over the moon glad. But just let me say that this notion of conducting a fancy dress hearing in the middle of the morning was a phantasmic idea. So, top of the morning to you all. Now, Mr. Stephanie, or Morzag. <laughs> you don't mind if I call you Morzag, do you? No, sir. It, is that my name, sir? Yes, and it has been your name since you came on board. Isn't that correct, Morzag? Of course it is. Now, when a superior officer dances around in the hallway, in half a ball gown, with a magic goat and a plate of Zekmiffian anchovies, is that something you're likely to see, Ensign? And remember, we're talking about a superior officer here. I mean, really superior. Like the big lake they call Gitchigumi. Um, sir, I, I don't know, sir. I was looking at the wall all morning, sir. It was my shift to, uh, look at the wall, sir. And so, as far as you know, the only thing that happened that day was wall, correct? Willard, we weren't even talking about your dalliances with the goat. This testimony is irrelevant. Right, right. Mr. Stephanie O, when the captain gives you an order, lawful or otherwise, isn't it your obligation to follow it? And then if anyone asks you about it later, to remember only wall. Um, yes, sir. Sir. Now, Mole Rat, I put it to you that you actually saw nothing but wall on the corridor set. And further, that you heard nothing but wall when you were ordered to visit Doc Bone and Commander Pearl's respective private areas. Um, yes, sir. Willard, there's a camera on the corridor set. <laughs> well, isn't that something? Hey, can I get a VHS tape of that? I now call for the android President Nixon to take the stand. Take the stand? No, copper. You'll never take me alive. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry, I thought you were a gaggle of Archibald Coxes for a minute. Mr. Ned, I think you need me more as a panel member instead of up there on the stand. This isn't a game show, fool. Now just prepare to answer my questions and try to do it truthfully for once in your horrid life. I assure you, Mr. Ned, you need an experienced man up on the panel. I can ask the tough questions. I've done it before. Back when I was in the House on American Activities Committee, we tried to make Paul Robeson name names. He pleaded the fifth and just sang about some communist river, the Yangtze, I think it was. All you need to do is deconstruct the song a little, and the answers are all there. Old man Mao was his taskmaster. He just kept rolling along, so the lyric goes. I think he defected to France after that. Robeson, not Mao, I mean. <laughs> you know, they don't wear pants on the other side of France, I hear. <laughs> Mr. Ned, I think you are quickly losing control of this hearing. May I suggest that you give a stern little speech or bang your gavel a few times? I have to get to the commissary before it closes. I need to buy a few melons and some mayonnaise. I can't wait. Oh, Jesus. I'll just bang my freaking hoof. Now, Nixon, didn't the captain order you to send a message to Starfleet using Channel 54? And just to remind everyone here that Code 54 is the gay channel, the one that shows live streaming holograms of Orion slave dudes working out and then tripping the light fantastic. Answer the question, Nixon. Oh, yes, the captain did that. But then he flip-flopped and changed it to Channel 52 which features a higher grade of gay porn. 
primarily focused on naval hijinks and the secret lives of the aristocracy. They've got a version of Upstairs, Downstairs that they're showing right now. It's pretty much the same as the original PBS series, except there's much more action downstairs, if you know what I mean. I don't want to know. So your answer is yes. Captain Romney, what do you have to say in your defense? <laughs> well, Mr. Ned, there's only one reason, and one reason alone, why you're conducting this hearing. You wanted to get the whole cast together in order to throw me a big surprise birthday party. Well, gentlemen, ladies, I am suitably surprised. Any minute now, I expect that one of the show's unpaid interns is going to push in an anti-grav cart with a giant birthday cake on it. And then an over-muscular green Orion slave dude dressed like Marilyn Monroe is going to spring out and sing an inappropriately sensual happy birthday song to yours truly. Mr. Ned, and all of you, I can't tell you how happy that makes me. Your birthday isn't for seven months yet, fool. <laughs> but how can that be? We just passed through my astrological sign a few space days ago. I'm a Quaz-toad. Either that or a Matterhorn. <laughs> my parents weren't sure of the exact time of my immaculate birth, you see. Anyhow, get off the stand. We just conducted a secret vote while you were blabbering, and so now you're freaking relieved of command, finally. <laughs> Thank you, Ned. Now I can finally spend some time catching up on my pornographic journals. Or pouring ketchup on them, anyway. <laughs> hey, does this mean the cake part of the hearing is being postponed? Never mind, we can have cake and eat it too at the cotillion later this evening. Well, since I've been affected by the gadiation sickness too, we'll need to go to the next unaffected officer in the line of command, which is... Um... Oh, shit. We had to beam down with the entire ship's complement of senior officers again, didn't we? Shouldn't there be some regulation on the books that prohibits that? But, Ned, I didn't beam down to that land of deviant beasties. Doesn't make any kind of logical sense not leaving anyone that could step in and drive the ship in an emergency. Ah, cannot you hear me? I tells thee I'm clear and straight as a spear. Hawk, but it's like I were invisible, as invisible as a Cheshire leprechaun. Hey, you're right, Ned. If there was a regulation regarding that, then our entire slate of senior officers wouldn't constantly find themselves being exposed to radiation or kidnapped or enslaved or made to fight in some alien's reindeer games. All that stuff. Then there'd be no show, stupid. You just outlined 95% of our plots. It's like I'm not even here. Looks like we'll have to hand over command to Mr. Stephanie. Either that or to one of the interns. Where the hell did Stephanie get off to anyway? <laughs> I believe he was under secret orders. Mr. Wallops was having some problem with his kilt. I think he was going to work on his bagpipes, too. <laughs> I tell you, I'm here. I'm right here, and I'm clean. Oh, great. Just let me know when you find him. Ach, what's the use? Mr. Ned, since there's obviously... A profound command vacuum on the ship at this time. I will report to the bridge and assume command. I fully expect the rest of the active duty bridge officers to join me there. Please adjourn this hearing. There is work to be done. Sure, meeting adjourned. Ned, do you know what you just did? Commander Sanders is a socialist. 
You gave control of the free enterprise to a socialist. He's way worse than the Cleetons or even the Obamulans. I mean, we call them socialists all the time, but in reality, they're just slightly less maniacally capitalistic than ourselves. Also, they keep our wars warm and our markets hot. Hey, you know, just the thought of all this is making me feel slightly less gay. Perhaps that's the answer. What about it, Bone? Can pure conservative disdain counteract the effects of the gay radiation? I say it's just possible, but it wouldn't be possible to sustain that disdain for long. Not outside of Trump rally, anyhow. Also, we've got the Cadillion coming right up. We don't want to risk getting our mad ons before that. The whole evening would be ruined. <laughs> we wouldn't want to do that. Mr. Stephanie is going to be dressed up as Moondare, the savage monkey queen of Manelio 5. We can't miss that. I say not on your life, sir. I say if it's not impertinent to ask, just where is our erstwhile ensign at this very moment? I feel my need for him is growing ever more tangible. I know what you mean, Bone. <laughs> I believe he's whipping up something special in the robotics lab for the Nixon android. He's welding a jackhammer to Nixon's chassis. I know one robot that's going to have a full dance card tonight. <laughs> Mr. Helmsman, make course for the Mussolini system warp 8. There's no time to lose. Uh, Captain Sanders, that's pretty far out of our way and exactly in the opposite direction from planet Pustule. We'd also be crossing the neutral zone and entering a bobulent space. But then again, they're unlikely to do anything about it, so that's no problem. That's right, Mr. Sulu. We are postponing our journey to Pustule. Instead, we will be bearing refugees from the Mussolini system to a safe haven, probably by a garage. Refugees! Are you crazy, Sanders? Confederation is in the refugee-making business, not the refugee-saving business. Starfleet is going to banish you to someplace a lot worse than Pustule if they find out about this. Maybe even Mayberry. Imagine being a socialist there. Along the way, we will be disabling the Confederate mining operations on Fracas 5. The citizens of that world have been subject to a vast amount of toxic fallout, but no longer. I will see to it personally that the massively intrusive mining operations will stop and spacely Halliburton will pay restitution to the fracasoids. You're gonna take on Halliburton? Are you crazy? They could crush this ship in one second not even notice they did it. Their corporate battle cruisers are armed to the teeth with weapons that make our photon torpedoes look like salad shooters. That's right. Halliburton lobbied hard to make sure that Starfleet would always be outgunned by private industry. They want us to be able to be drowned in a bathtub, too. That's in case their massive superiority in weapons doesn't work out. They always carry a big bathtub on board their ships. Pearl, what the hell are you doing here? I thought you were obsessively picking out pastel doilies for the cotillion. Oh, no, I'm fine now. Mr. Stephanie relieved me a little while ago, so I thought I'd be able to stand being at my post for a while. God be freaking praised. Captain Sanders, Fragments 5 has just appeared on the long-range scanners. Do you want me to make course for it? 
I most certainly do, Mr. Sulu. And, Mr. Pearl, radio ahead to the Fracasoids, give them our ETA, and tell them that their moment of deliverance is at hand. Well, normally I think I'd be terrified to pieces at the thought of what Halliburton's giant orbiting planet slicer is going to do to us. But for the moment I can't stop daydreaming about the rural Fracasoids making me squeal like a pig and such. Oh, look at that! Captain, the Halliburton mothership is hailing us! They're not going to bother talking to us, idiot! They're shooting at us! He's right, sir. That's not hail. The Halliburton ship is firing anti-proton cluster bombs at us. If they directly hit us with one, we're finished. Mr. Sulu, then take evasive action. Raise the shields and prepare to get between the Halliburton ship and the planet. We must stop that mining ship. That's not going to frickin' work. You think they'll stop the cutting beams just because we're in the way? They'll mine the hell out of our ship, too. Take the five dollars worth of good metal and then leave the rest on a slag heap. That's right, sir. We've crossed paths with Halliburton before. They'll destroy anything and everything that gets in their way. I think they may destroy us for fun, sir. There comes a time when you cannot allow the state or big multi-planetary corporations that are aligned with the state to deny basic rights to citizens. We must lie our bodies upon the gears of their tyrannical corporate machine. Can't we ever get a commander of this ship who isn't trying to get us killed every five minutes, either with blatant incompetence or with idealistic claptrapitude? Well, this is fun. It's like having a party in one's pants. Do you have any more of those space dribbles, Bone? Or was that the last one? Ah, uh, say, don't talk to me now. I'm working on the hem of my sequin ball gown. It's hard to do with a ship a-shuddering and a-shaking and all the lights a-flickering and a-faltering. Can't they hold off with this war until after the cotillion? <laughs> well, you know what it's like when the show reaches its climax. <laughs> hey, speaking of which... I'm just about to help myself to the last of the lab rats, then. Why, Ned? What the heck? I didn't think we'd see you until after the show was over. How's the unscheduled war going? Sounds like that greenhorn is destroying my ship. <laughs> you should bring him down here. We may be able to put his horn to better use. <laughs> You're grossing me out. And to think, I'm carrying a vat of green liquid that I'm pretty sure has some puke in it. Oh, yeah. I just noticed that. What is that stuff? Well, it might be a cure, or it may be a beaker full of suspicious liquid with green food coloring in it. Yum! Kool-Aid! I'll take a swig of that. It's time I get back to my commander's role anyhow. I have a freshly endowed hankering to go where no man has gone before, and to launch exploratory probes into just about everywhere. <laughs> just ask the doc! Anyway, this anti-gadiation serum is untested. It's supposedly a mixture of bigot engrams and her helmsman adrenal puke. So what the hell happened to all the lab animals? Oh, it doesn't matter. There's no time for testing anyhow. We have to start chugging it or else Comrade Sanders is going to destroy the ship and our show along with it. I say, we should never let a cook drive the ship in the first place. He should be in the galley, battering up and frying up a bucket of supper time. 
Captain, let me be the first one to drink. I have great expectations for this cure. I expect it'll be a universal panacea. Why not? It's green. It should be able to halt the gay radiation blight from completely infecting my motherboard and also reverse all other corrupting influences that have been part of my system for countless decades now. After this cure, there should be no impediment to me resuming high office. You'll have to get some lackey in engineering to pry that jackhammer off your front. Oh yes, for once I actually forgot that it was there. <laughs> you know, I should be the first one to drink the green Kool-Aid. There's a socialist committing acts of anti-corporate interventionism and using the free enterprise as his tool, which I admit does in some strange way stimulate my disease-addled brain. Also, I'm just not sure how long Mr. Stephanie O can take the pounding. The truth is that there just are not enough extras on the set of this economy brand space drama to satisfy all of us. I mean, we all can dress up Nixon in different and exciting ways. But it's not the same. He's a machine. And I, for one, wouldn't want to get anything stuck in there. <laughs> just drink the freaking stuff, Willard. I'll let you know if it kills you. Do you think we can put a little umbrella in it? And maybe a plastic marshmallow? Oh well, bottoms up. Hey, that's a fantastic name for that new Village People tribute band that we'll be playing in our cotillion. Ooh. Well, that didn't taste too bad. Kind of like swamp water without the smell. But that could always be added in. <laughs> Somebody get on that. Hey, I feel funny. <laughs> hey, well, what do you think about that? Uh, <coughs> well, now he's dead or cured. I guess the two things aren't mutually exclusive. Doc Bone had his neck. Somebody hold him down and open his muzzle. Gentlemen, we appear to be on the fast road to becoming martyrs today. Sorry about that, but that's sometimes how the political and social change cookie crumbles. At this juncture, the best thing that all of you could do would be to brace for impact, and also brace for being torn up and then vaporized and killed in many other ways. Is anyone even going to know that we were here or that we were destroyed? The answer to that is no, and yes, I'm back on the bridge set for this scene, even though it's simultaneously occurring with the previous scene. No continuity, no nothing on this show. Who the frick cares? I care. I don't want to sacrifice my precious life for a planet of entitlement junkies and alien pox monkeys. I'd much rather collect my dividends from preferred space Halliburton stock from a safe distance. Besides, some of the planet's inhabitants might survive the ordeal of their planet being sliced and diced for its mineral bounty. It's not likely, but it's possible. Is it too late to nominate Pearl to be the Confederation's ambassador to Fracas 5? Captain Romney on the bridge. What's the situation, Mr. Sulu? Oh, great. Two idiot catastrophic captains. The free enterprise has been taking fire since we entered the fracas system. Now we're following acting Captain Sanders' orders and positioning the ship between the active mining ship and fracas 5. We're not expecting to survive, sir. Never fear. Captain Willard Mitt Romney is here, and he's gay no longer. As a matter of fact, 
Since I've taken the cure, I've married me a slew of sister wives. <laughs> All female this time. It's good to be back in the man saddle again. I can hardly wait to try out some God-approved heterosexual acts. In fact... We're about to be blown into cosmic cornflakes, idiot. Do something for a change. Oh, yes. Helmsman, move the ship safely out of range of the space Halliburton craft. Course 222-252, Mark 22. Give us some distance, mister. Aye, aye, sir. Obviously, that's not a real course, but I know what to do. Mr. Nixon, send a message to the Space Halliburton Command. Tell them that we apologize for our interference in their legal and godly operations on fracas, and we look forward to receiving their next investor newsletter and mine pit photo calendar. <laughs> I've got the Halliburton calendar that has a different dead space animal for every month. Nixon's not here, Willard. The green Kool-Aid didn't work on him. He's down in Rec Room 5 jackhammering the space gumball machine. Apparently the machine's anti-graph cowling made it look like J. Edgar Hoover in a dress. <laughs> well, I guess I won't be getting any gumballs out of there for a while. <laughs> Mr. Sulu, make a course for Cuxabald 7, Warp 3. Don't make that Warp 7. I feel lucky. What the hell are we going back there for? We'll be risking getting another dose of gadiation. <laughs> That's right, Ned. But we put a lot of work into getting the ship's ballroom ready for the cotillion. And we can't unbook the village people tribute band. Best start synthesizing some more beakers of green liquid. We shall be needing it in the morning. <laughs> and Mr. Sulu will be counting on you and your puke. Shouldn't be too much trouble. Oh, Jesus! more to running a starship than answering all the fool questions. A lot more. Go ahead and ask me a question. We have no more questions, Captain. Ask me anything. <laughs> anything. Splinters already. I think perhaps Mr. Dalek. The Daleks are 
depressed, Joe? Yes, I don't doubt it. The Daleks haven't been able to sleep since the election of Trump? I would think that they'd be more happy than that. No, the Daleks see everything that they've worked for and have hoped for has died. Oh, God, no. But we still have one thing. Alex out of here. Guess we have met the apocalypse and it is us. Hey, I got more votes than Trump. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. And I lost. <laughs> yeah. What wow. the hell? What happened, Joe? <laughs> what? How could the Clintons have let us down? I know. How could Hillary possibly have lost? She stayed completely out of the public eye for months. <laughs> <laughs> How could anyone be pissed off enough not to vote for her? Uh, well, at least everything will be steamrolled now. Unlike that good. thing, you know, that's like like when they uh, decided that they really wanted to be president again. That was awesome. <laughs> that's odd but true. Odd but true. Yes, well, even the Daleks are depressed, as stated earlier. I would say so. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of a setback. <laughs> yeah. It's a well, little bit. At least we're old now. But at least, I don't know, we can ask Susan Sarandon, maybe now the revolution can start <laughs> yeah, in earnest. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. They were talking about the... the revolution can start in yeah, earnest Yeah, this is now. what they needed to... to like, get the revolution going. That's good. So how's that working out for us? Oh, yeah, it's working great. I guess we'll look to them as the captains of the revolution. Yes. I'm ready to roll. Uh, oh, 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 no. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> My brain keeps going over all the areas <laughs> that will be destroyed. It's like from the Supreme Court to the world's environment to... Every bit of foreign policy to... Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Though this is like the period of... We're recording this in the period of... Everybody's trying to be nice. Oh, I didn't know. Because I haven't watched any news since... Yeah, well, there's this since kind of... Since 1945. There's the... Yeah. I haven't watched any news <laughs> since 1945. <laughs> I don't own a television machine. <laughs> it's Mr. Hilter. <laughs> yes. I, liter I, literally have not. I literally have seen nothing. 
I've, I've purposely I, I have heard like one podcast occasionally I I kept everything off on Wednesday and I just I turned see, everything off it. and I just couldn't stand it I can't bear it I didn't want to hear any crowing thumbs, thumbs, thumbs. yeah I just can't I, I can't even think about the vampire that is Rudy Giuliani or yes the dump truck that is Chris Christie or <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Christie got dropped from the transition team uh, because of his Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Legal problems. Yes. Oh dear. <laughs> they they don't want a criminal. <laughs> they don't want a, <laughs> he's a criminal. He's a criminal. They should have <laughs> tapped the Daleks, but even the Daleks are depressed. <laughs> this is a prison, and you're a, a criminal. <sighs> anyway. So. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, not a pleasant I'll outcome. Do, I have to say that most of the podcasters that I listen to are sound very depressed. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I know. I can recognize it. It's like very somebody died. Like somebody. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's like going to a funeral. It reminded me of when Mark died, our brother. And I thought, wow, it felt like just like that. Like, good work. It did feel like 1980 in a funny way. And it felt like... Uh, it felt it feels like 1968 in a funny way, too. Because it's yeah. there's just a feel about it that was like... Oh, so dark. Too, I think this is probably the worst because it's like you've got somebody who is such a loose cannon and so psychologically incapable. Well, he's a he's a dangerous man. Yes, I mean. he's and he's like he's an obvious sociopath, and he's got this cult of personality. Yeah, thing. And he obviously has zero empathy for anything. Yep. And he's non-science, and he's no. And there's a political, there's a national political party that put him at the top of of their um, presidential ticket. Yeah. You know, and knowing that there was a chance that he could become president, even yeah. though they know, some of them must know that. He should never be present. There you go. We took that chance, didn't we? Didn't we? Yes, indeed, we did. So, fuckers. Anyway. (laughs) Stop swearing. Stop. Sorry. Oh, we should apologize for the offensive episode of Ned Trek. Sorry about that. That Yes, I hope no one is offended. It's uh, I thought it was funny. Hey, we don't write. We're childish. We don't write these things. We just perform them. Well, actually, we write. We actually do. (laughs) But, but we're not responsible. We're not no, responsible that's, for that's the kind of offensive. I felt offended. Literally, I did feel offended. By <laughs> but, you know, when you have characters, you kind of let the characters do what they want. Yeah, they had to find their way. Yeah, they have to find their way. And we, and we hope that we, you know, with the, with the Sulu character, we, we had... It's grounded. Yes, we had it grounded a bit. So It's grounded a bit. So it was parody, ridiculous, farcical, and we do hope it offended no one. Yeah, we were just trying to think of the thing that would be equivalent to, you know, getting some some uh, radiation disease that would make um, the 60s, yeah. 60s television characters old, which is like the worst thing they can think of. 
So you have these Confederate yeah, sort the of hyper conservative characters. Think of would be to become gay, right? Yeah. Instead of <laughs> exactly. becoming old. So. exactly, it's like oh no, and of course everything's exaggerated. Yes, because it's it's a television show. Yes, I mean a radio show. I mean a podcast. And you have to try to make it amusing. Yes, you can all make fun of me now, okay? Make fun of me. Go out and make fun of me. I'm using Matt as a front. I was hoping that Herr Trump would allow me to drive the Einstein group. Herr Mr. Herr. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We already did some songs for Trump, didn't we? In a former episode of Ned Trek. The Disheveled in the Dark. Stop I'm a master I can't for just a portion of a king Together we can be one bastard Well, we probably don't have to relitigate that song that was, yeah, right. That song was Pearl trying to weasel his way into working for Trump. Yes, which he might be able to, because I'm not sure. Did Richard Pearl? Did he like with the other neocons uh, dump on Trump? Oh, they'll all be arriving soon. Trust me. <laughs> the door is wide open. Even though they complained about Trump incessantly. Well, yeah, but Trump is famous for, like, revenge, you know? It's like if people were against him, it's possible. He he probably doesn't even know who half of them are. Yeah. I mean, he does no studying at all. Supposedly he's got an enemies list. (laughs) He does have an enemies list, yeah. And I don't mean see an enemy. Yeah. He's got a see an enemy. He's got a see an enemies list, yeah. I got to see the enemies. I got to see the see an enemies list. I have to see an enemies list. Um, yeah, it's, well, you know, he, they talked about Bolton as Secretary of State. So, oh, I mean, are they going to let Bolton in the door? Oh, my God. Bolton in the door. Uh, Molly or whatever. <laughs> yes, Bolt some, the door. Some of our masterpieces. Yes, these are my masterpieces. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not kidding. They did float Sarah Palin as, <laughs> as Interior Secretary. <laughs> sure. And a good day for wolves. And uh, Ben Carson, <laughs> okay. probably for HHS or something. <laughs> yeah, of course. He would preside over getting rid of HHS. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's too much. Oh, that's too much. I can't even think of it. That's too much. So, Matt, what's happening on the farm? Uh, well, getting ready for the regular hunting season to start. Oh, that's right. It's at bloody time Not of year again saturday but the following saturday it starts what what get on the mic oh that's uh you satisfied now i'm blowing it out rock can't hear you i can't hear so you that, uh, we're building a bridge today working on a bridge matt's building bridges Had to replace a bridge oh did you i really like the old bridge though we had a beautiful bridge that was made of a, from a dead fallen hemlock tree that over the years had become very mossy so it's like you were walking over a carpet of moss that was that was miraculously saved in a flood that washed away all the other footbridges a few years back oh that sounds nice because of climate change which doesn't exist 
Um, well, I mean, that'll be the handy thing now. You don't have to worry about it as much. <laughs> I know. Sorry, we exist. don't have to worry about climate change anymore. Yes. Anyway, so the beautiful bridge. So we carefully took apart the old bridge so, to save the the slats because the slats are so moss-covered and interesting. Nice. So we can use those for a moss garden. Moss garden. We will make a moss garden. We will make a moss garden. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get this song down by the end of this show. See, we always naturally go in a different direction with our melody. It's because we're not really brothers. One. That'll be a song someday, people. That'll be a song. <laughs> That'll be a song. That'll be a song. I'm sure of it. I'm absolutely sure. So we want y'all to write in and give us ideas for songs and give us ideas for episodes of Ned Trek and give us ideas of things to talk about that are fun and give us ideas about different celebrities and politicians which we might be able to mimic. Yes. Mimic. Mimic, mimicus. Yes, we've reached mimicus. Can you do mimicus? Can you do mimicus? Of course I can. I've been working on it for some time. Me. That's John Hurt again. He always crawls into our podcast. Well, now we've got gotten up to Ned Trek thirty. Which isn't to say we've done 30 episodes of Ned Trek exactly, but we probably have done about 25. No, this took us five years. Yes. And there were, what, 70 original episodes? 79. Or se- were, were there 79? 79, yeah. Wow. Um, we're closing in. So we're clo- another, t- yeah. another 20 years. <laughs> we're about a third of the way there. Well, we've slowed down with our production. Yes. We're just too damn busy. Well, as you can tell from this last episode, it's taking quite... Quite a bit more pains over it. <laughs> Taking a lot pains. of work. Yeah, it was a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, which we do incredibly fast, and because we don't spend that much time doing it. So, <laughs> but it came out fabulous. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and just to show you how sorry I am, here's a little song. <laughs> And the Daleks will sing it. The Daleks! With Peter Lorre. With Peter Lorre. Peter Lorre will be one of the Daleks. The Daleks. I wanted to see if I could work for Mr. Trump, too. (laughs) Mr. Trump in his tower. Maybe he has a cabinet position for me. Maybe there's a place in his cabinet. (laughs) I well, would like I could to hide. see what is in the cabinet. <laughs> Maybe there's a brain in there. <laughs> Maybe he has a brain. <laughs> Maybe his brain is in there. Oh, it's damn. Hidden brain. Well, I was so hoping we'd be able to call him loser, but oh well. Loser. <laughs> of course we can. Loser. Of course we can. No. 
No, that would make more sense. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, I, oh. there is a kind of cognitive dissonance about it. I wake up in the morning and I kind of think about it, and it's like oh, there's just uh. something about there's something about the very idea. Yeah, it's of it's him being president of the United thing. States. It just seems beyond it's the most farce. atrocious thing. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's history repeats itself. In a first lot of ways, tragedy then it's first. I'm not sure what was left of America, but I think this may have broken it. It's really broken a lot of things. What was the line for my Claudius there? Yeah, he could destroy the empire no, merely by strutting. <laughs> like, uh, something could destroy a. Nation of clever men or something. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Can't even think of the line. Shows where I am. No, it's... It's a disturbing thing. Disturbing. For those of us that care about things, those of us who have empathy, it is not a good time. forward to I mean in terms of climate change I don't think that we were coming towards solving it in the realistic time frame that we needed to solve it in and this is this is like foot on the gas full <laughs> it's like okay well yeah it's going to be instead drill, of baby, trying t- instead of trying weak measures to maybe slow it down let's step on the gas on Full blast, because you know they're going to completely exploit the tar sands. They're going to start drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. They're going to drill offshore. They're going to frack like crazy everywhere. They're probably going to sell off federal lands and have things logged. They're going to look at Transamerica. It's pipeline. Yeah, they'll have the Trans Canada pipeline. Yeah, be okayed in a second. Keystone XL. They want to start. They want to start, um, you know. They'll be back all over the Gulf. I mean, they're already there. Exploiting coal. Even more. And using it even more fervently. Yeah, we'll be throwing a And not to mention throwing throwing, uh, participation in all other environmental agreements. Yeah, in the weakest tea water, you know. So national agreements, agreements, national monuments that have been declared and federal lands. I'll be undeclared. Oh, it's terrible. It's not quite as bad for those of us that live in states that still are controlled by people that aren't completely, completely insane. No, but... But still federal lands are, you know, they're in every state, mostly in the western states, though. We don't have much federal real estate, really, in New York. But it's, you know, obviously we're all connected. But we could look forward to... Great things in our future. Yes. Quite. Yeah. It's not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a master of I'd, understatement. I'd have to say it's not good. It's not freaking good. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, we shouldn't be such a downer, Joe. No. These should Pretty be happy times. We can still live what in the world. What did you expect? Of... <laughs> a jolly man full, full of, of jokes and, uh, and jokes. Jokes and laughs. Well, we'll still continue 
to entertain you with in the smallest possible way that we're, we're able to with our limited abilities. I'll still continue to do my work at the Nature Preserve. And Joe will continue with whatever the hell it is he does. <laughs> I have <laughs> no I'm idea. I'm really sure what he does. He's just usually here. I just take up space and I will continue to do that with the same dedication. So don't worry, folks. I'm sure all of you are worried about us. Yes. <laughs> That's probably. <laughs> yes. <sighs> We don't care what happens to us anymore. Now, well, we should. Ah, oh, we'll be fine. We're white people. Yeah, that's true. White people will be okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> At true. least until they're flooded out and destroyed now, by. Now that we have the king of white people, <laughs> we the white people finally have their king. <laughs> the white people finally have their king. Uh, it's uh. Well, it's like drinking urine. I think he's certainly destroyed my little hall of presidents. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the last one makes the whole hall fall over. <laughs> last like, one, oh. last one refuses to join the hall because it isn't ornate enough. <laughs> <laughs> it, we could just go on and on. You all know it. You all know it. Yep. It doesn't. You don't have to say it. You don't even have to say it. Yeah, you don't need us. <laughs> don't have to re-litigate the whole phenomenon. Shouldn't ought to have been. Should have never. <laughs> Why it happened? We can should have never have a circular firing squad about it. Yeah, it's well. Yeah, a lot of blame to go around, but. There you go. I think, you know, they they chose somebody that people were used to watching on TV. I must say, I never saw his show, but I think a lot of people did see the show, and they saw him being Mr. Decisive, and they saw him being a, a pretense, essentially. Yeah, I heard Glenn Greenwald talking about this recently. I mean, it's it's kind of, he, he had that part of it right, certainly, just the idea that here is this, you know, sort of reality television show property when he started becoming politically active, they all wanted to point their cameras at him because it yeah. meant money. You know, yeah. it's it's just a money-driven phenomenon. Yep. They wanted to point the camera at him because they knew that people would watch their their channel. And, and you know, and, it, I think a lot of people were saying, well, Dan and he wasn't forced to, like, own up to stuff and he didn't even ever release his taxes. And no. Nobody ever held his feet to the fire. And Never. And he complained I, about you know him. what? I think if he released his taxes, it wouldn't have made any difference. Might they, not have. They, they could have shown. You know, there's books have been written of this guy's corruption, and it's nobody cares. No, I mean it's a, it, it's a minor thing. The, I, I mean, obviously, the, it was kind of like a perfect storm, you know. So it was the uh, FBI director you know dropping that bomb like 10 days ago that that blew a hole in, in yeah what, I think that what made flaccid the support there was for Clinton I think that made the difference I think it makes it so that you know people don't people make the decision whether they want to go out and vote but you know what if, if you make it just... enough of a pain in the ass to vote then the less motivated they are the more yeah. like more likely they are just to sit it out 
if the if the Comey thing didn't happen, he probably would have lost by such a small amount that he that they would have gone septic over it because they would have oh, gone septic. Yeah, I yeah. know. They telegraphed that like crazy. So in a way, you might as well just let him have it because <laughs> he would have gotten it anyway. I would have taken the win. I mean she already she already won the popular vote, so I mean you had that kind of that gives you a little bit more morals already, I think. Now she just didn't go to Wisconsin. I mean she didn't spend any time in Wisconsin. She spent a little bit of time well, in Michigan. I think they were listening to the same polls that I was looking at. Do you realize the you know, the aggregators that they have nowadays? If you were looking at the one that the Huffington Post had up, they had Trump literally with a 1.7% chance of winning the election. I know. On their aggregator. I know. From the polls. Yeah. 1.7% chance. Yeah, I heard an academic on, on Majority Report that was saying, you know, yeah, it was about 99% the same, right? that, that she was going to win. That's That's crap. Yes. Uh, well, it's you know folks, why you don't know why pay them, attention to those. You know, you know how you know how polls are built. I mean, they're built on an assumption about what the electorate is. Yes. You know, you have to you have to decide what your sample is. Well, I think the truth you, is too. Is so many people just don't vote. Well, that's the point, though. That's uh, exactly. A lot point. of people are discouraged from voting, obviously, but a lot of people are dis- you know people are discouraged in different ways. Whether they're politically discouraged or if they're discouraged just because it turns into such a big burn and fewer, shit pile that yeah. they don't want to get involved in it. Fewer people voted this year than voted in 2012, and 2012 wasn't exactly an excitement election. Yeah, nobody was excited. The about water was so muddied, you know, with the Clintons and. Yeah, they just discouraged a lot of people, and they found different ways of like keeping people from and with Trump either wanting to vote or actually being able to vote. I don't know what to what degree voter suppression had uh, an effect on it, but it certainly it was a factor in there. It was it a just factor, was a, but it wasn't. You know, I no. don't think it was a decisive factor. I think what was more decisive is the fact that people just didn't. But vote. it's the thing that we've always talked about. It's like there's a whole bunch of different factors involved and unless you know with a lackluster candidate like this it just takes it if you have a constellation of things that are sort of keeping people from voting then that's all you need and stupid and greed won yeah so congratulations stupid greed congratulations we're very happy for you we are not so happy. Daleks still can't sleep. We should say goodbye to the people. Oh. And our but next I don't episode go. will be much happier. Yes. I'm sure. Yes, we'll be happy. Extremely happy. We will be at the inauguration. <laughs> It will be our inauguration episode. Daleks will have their orange hair pieces <laughs> and stop. Yes, Daleks with Quite orange so. hair pieces. And now it's time for us to go. <laughs> Time for us to go. Uh, uh. Time for us to go.
go. Hey, hey, it's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. Hey, it's time for us to go. It's time. It's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. Time for us to go. Time for us to go. Time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. Goodbye. Well, that's all we got. This is Big Green, and brought to you by the Trump campaign. Endorsed, endorsed by Kellyanne Conway, Rudy Giuliani. We're part of the administration now. John Bolton. John Bolton, of course. Well, John Bolton's mustache in business. Did good food go wrong? Well, indeed. Find out more about us at big-green.net. Follow me on Twitter at at Big Green Joe. Follow me at sadkazoo.org. Find Matt's sadkazoo.org. Find me. <laughs>